0: You know, biblically, biblically, he's a good yeah, teacher. I've not had caffeine yet, so, you know, we'll just teach. Thank God I can read. <laughs> All right, so this morning's class is the importance of Christ church, and it's a good one. Um, so we're not going to put this here because I feel like I'm blocked from y'all. And we're not going to put this here because I feel like I'm blocked from y'all. <laughs> Thanks, spirits. All right. Um, so I'm going to read from here, and then we've got some questions at the end. He says, today we're talking about the importance of Christ's church. I'd like to read a scripture out of Hebrews 10.25. And it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. As we look into the importance of Christ's church, my question is, what is the church? I took the Discipleship Evangelism program into a local church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We trained people how to use it, and we even used it out in the field. Within six weeks of working with this local church, we had established 20 Bible studies outside of that local congregation. For months, we were working with these people in the Bible studies. The pastor really confused me one day when he said, You know, the Bible says the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Why aren't we seeing these people from the Bible studies come into our church? When we were out in the field, people were being saved, and they were being discipled and ministered to. But what the pastor really meant was, Why aren't they coming to meet together on Sunday morning in this building? My concept of the church was a little off, too. What the pastor said really troubled me, and I didn't know what to do. I thought, is the discipleship evangelism program really working? Are we really reaching people's lives? I knew we were reaching many people, but what confused me was why they weren't coming to the Sunday morning service. I decided to do a study on the word church. What's covered in this lesson is what I discovered. And I'm going to list a whole bunch of scriptures in case you want to write them down, but we're not going to turn to all these yet. In Romans 16.3, 1 Corinthians 16.19, Colossians 4.15, Philemon 2, Acts 5.42, and Acts 20.20, the Bible primarily speaks about the early New Testament church meeting in someone's home. I know that there are all kinds of churches. There are home churches, churches with small and large congregations, and very large megachurches. The one thing that really caught my attention in the scripture was that the New Testament church seemed to meet together in a small congregation in people's homes. The Expository Dictionary of Bible's Words by Lawrence Richards on page 164 says, Anyone may be excused for being a bit confused about the meaning of the word church. We use the word in so many ways. It means a particular building, like the church on 4th Street, a denomination or organized faith, like the Reformed Church of America or the Baptist Church, or even a Sunday meeting. Did you go to church today? None of these uses is particularly biblical. And I got to thinking, what does this really mean? What does the word church really mean? I'm going to quote further. It says, Since many persons think of a church as a building for religious services rather than a congregation engaging in worship, the rendering church can be misleading. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, literally means an assembly of people together for the purpose of worship or prayer or praise or just looking unto God. I'm going to read some other things here. It says, Ecclesia in the New Testament can encompass any number of believers. It can be used of small groups that met in home, like Romans 16.5. It encompasses all believers living in a large city, like Acts twenty eleven twenty two, or a large geographical district, such, such as Asia or Galatia. It goes on to say, the typical meeting of the church was in a home. When such a congregation met, everyone had a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. You can reference that in 1 Corinthians 14:26. Individuals shared and others weighed carefully what was said in 1 Corinthians 14:29. Such sharing remains essential to the very existence of the church as a community of faith. Each person was expected to contribute or to serve others with his or her spiritual gifts. In Hebrews 10.25, it said, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The church is an assembly of people coming together for the purpose of looking to Jesus, praising the Lord, to receive direction from the Lord, to follow through with that direction. The primary purpose of the New Testament church was edification. They met together for the purpose of building each other up in faith. The early church was an evangelistic church. People were scattered everywhere, sharing their faith in Jesus Christ, and as they did, the Lord added to the church, not to a building, but added to the people of God as they repented and believed. Then they assembled together to encourage one another, to exercise their spiritual gifts, to serve one another, and to have a time of fellowship and one another with one another by sharing a meal together. We like to eat. When they were together, they exercised their spiritual gifts to edify one another. Then they would go out and preach the word, and the whole cycle would begin again. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and they assembled themselves together. It didn't matter where they assembled. It could have been in a building or in someone's home. It could have been a large amount of people or it could have been a small number of people meeting in homes. It didn't really matter. As long as they met together in the name of the Lord for the purpose of exercising their gifts or to encourage one another up and to fellowship with one another with the end result being edification or building each other up. I discovered that what we were doing with the Discipleship Evangelism Program through the local church I mentioned earlier by meeting in 20 different Bible studies throughout the city is we were meeting in 20 different churches. It wasn't church as we know it today, but we were meeting as the church 20 times a week because we were meeting together in the name of the Lord Jesus to encourage one another to look to the Lord Jesus, to be instructed out of the word of God, and to exercise our spiritual gifts. No matter what church you go to, no matter if you're in a denominational church or a non-denominational church, if you're meeting in a mega church or a small group home, the scripture is telling you that as you see the day approaching, and as sin abounds, the grace of God much more abounds. Grace is going to abound with these assemblies of God's people. In the church where, where each believer has a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ, you can minister to one another, exhort one another, and encourage one another as you exercise your spiritual gift with one another. We would all benefit by meeting with a group of believers in this way. Even if it's just two or three that are meeting in the name of the Lord Jesus, we need to meet together on a regular basis. It's good to meet together to use our spiritual gifts, to exhort one another, to encourage one another, to look to Jesus together and to pray for one another. There's a lot we could say about the church. We could talk about the elders, the overseers, pastors and church government, but that's not the purpose of this teaching. The purpose of this teaching is to know the purpose of the church and to know we don't have to be isolated like one man on an island all to himself. We can't survive that way. When we receive salvation, God put us in the body of Christ, the universal body of believers. We need one another. We need to meet together as God's church to encourage one another and serve one another with the spiritual gifts that God has given us. I encourage you, meet together today with God's people. And in reading this and studying this a couple of times this week, it was just, I mean, you heard it again and again and again in this, in this teaching. We meet together for others, with others, to exhort others, to lift up others, to build others up, and to share the gifts that you've been given. You know, and I was, I was reading this, and I was like, you know, some people are going to use this or could use this as, well, I can just go home and me and my wife are together, and that's two of us, and we are the church. But you also have to be balanced in your approach on that because you have to remember that God places you where you're supposed to be because Brandon has awesome gifts, not just driving a boat either. He has really awesome gifts. But the gifts he has are completely different than the gifts that Joe or Chris has, which are completely different from the gifts that Tara or Lynn has. And so when we get together, it's a beautiful joining of all these different gifts and we work together as this perfect intertwined body. The pinky can do something that the knee can't do, but yet the knee can do something that our ear can't do. So what happens if we're walking around without our knee? We're not walking, we're hobbling, or we're having to roll in a chair because we're missing something. So it's vitally important that we ask God, where are we supposed to be placed? Because wherever we're supposed to be placed, not only do we need them, but they need us. Because it says we are supposed to share in the spiritual gifts that he's given us. Because as much as I enjoy preaching and teaching and ministering, there is something that Rebecca can do for y'all that I just can't do. And it's beautiful when we come together in that body and realize we are all created to be one, created to be a part of his body, and we need each other. So we can't isolate ourselves as that one man, like what he was saying, because when we do, we are not going to be fulfilled. When we try to stay home in the house and just have church with my four and no more, we're going to be lacking, we're going to be hurting and hungering Because we're not going to be satisfied. Because we're missing something. But now that doesn't mean you can't have church in the home. Boomerang Church was started in our living room, it was two families. That was it. But the beautiful thing was, God said, start with what you have. And it's like, you know, with Luke. I mean, he kind of stumbles all over himself when he's learning to walk. And he's got these feet, but he doesn't know what to do with them and these hands and everything else but he starts with what he has and he stumbles and trips and gets up but with each passing day he grows and he gets these new muscles and you know new abilities and that's how the church is you continue to grow and boomerang went from a living room to the ymca pavilion and then from the ymca pavilion to here and the great thing is is god's already starting to stirring and the leadership that we're out looking for buildings because we know that we're continuing to grow to the point that we are starting to need a bigger building, but the church that was in our home is no worse or lesser than the church that is in this building because it was ordained by God, and when God God ordains a church, it's a beautiful thing. So it was just a it was a neat teaching, um, and I just I thoroughly enjoyed it and just realized it was a beautiful portrayal of how we truly need each other you know we can stay home and we can you know watch on live stream which is great when it feels a need like when i'm in tennessee there is no chance i'm going to miss church so i join on to live stream but to let live stream be the only church you have you're going to miss out because there are gifts here you know there's there's hugs that Tara can give you that you can't get from church. There's a handshake that JD can give you and a pat on the back that you need after a rough week or a word from Barrett that you know nobody knows what you're dealing with. She doesn't even know, but God says, say this. And it just gives you that exhortation that you need to know, I can get through this. This is what the body of Christ is all about. So let's answer some of these questions, and I'm not going to call y'all up. I'll read it, and we'll just answer together. Um, let's read Hebrews 10.25 again, and I'm going to read the one on the screen so that it's easier to understand. He uses King James, and we're going to do new living. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And the question is, what are we not to forsake? The meeting together. It is so important to get together. Acts five forty two says and oh sorry, says and every day in the temple and from house to house they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. And the question says daily in the temple and in every home Jesus was what? He was the Messiah. He was he was preached and taught that he is the Messiah. Acts 2: 242 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. It says what four things did the early church continue to do? Yep, teach fellowship sharing in meals and to pray and are we to stop this today we're not early we're we're a little bit later than they were but i'm assuming i'm probably just speaking to myself y'all probably know more than me but i don't know everything there is to know about jesus yet so i'm still needing to be taught i like to fellowship because y'all have stuff that i don't have every one of us like to eat and then we definitely need prayer. I, I was, I'm not going to say coveting. I was um, very much appreciating y'all's prayer this week. <laughs> it was a week where I needed prayer. And there were people lifting me up in prayer, and I was appreciating it. Um, Acts 2 44 and 45 says, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possess- possessions. And shared the money with those in need. It says true or false, so this is easy. You got a 50-50 chance. The early church continued to give money to build a church parking lot. False. False. Says they shared with money with those in need. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gifts of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. And it says list eight different kinds of gifts that God has placed in the church. So, I mean, we don't have to list them all out, but they're right there. And the thing is, you know, so many people preach, well, that was the days of old. But, you know, there's a scripture that I remember, and I'm pretty sure it's, you know, accurate, that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. But that doesn't mean that the gifts God has given us is going to go away. He took away law, but he does not take away his gifts. He doesn't take away his grace. And we very much need every one of those things. There are things that apostles can do that prophets can't do. And we definitely need teachers. Miracles, healing, helping others, leadership, speaking in tongues. These these are all things that are very much for today. We were listening to um, something that George loaned to Brian. It was God's generals. And it was talking about a minister and I just blanked on his name. But um, it was so funny because it was saying that in the matter of one year, he was arrested a hundred times for practicing medicine without a license. And he wasn't practicing medicine. He was believing on the word of God, and he was watching people get healed. This stuff is for today. You know, I used to be allergic to, um, if they were cooked, I could eat them. But raw apples, potatoes, and carrots, if I ate them, I'd be sitting here and like, trying to scratch my throat and you know, scratching my ear and stuff would just start itching and my lips would start swelling. And we went on our first anniversary. And we went out to a, um, it was a one-day worship out in Tennessee. And it was like this huge cow pasture, basically, with like, I forget how many people it was. It was thousands of people all coming together to praise and worship God. And it was, it was one of my favorite anniversaries. And, you know, so we were out there with all these different people, and I'm praising God and just worshiping, and I'm like, you know what? I want to eat this apple that's on the breakfast buffet. I really want this apple. And I'm out here praising God and worshiping God for his goodness, but yet I can't eat this apple because it's going to start itching my throat. And I'm like, bump this. God says I'm healed. I'm tired of these restrictions. And I was like, mm, nah. And it wasn't anything overly elaborate. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to have, you know, these 20,000 people come lay hands on me or anything. I just said, God says I'm healed. I'm healed. That's it. Period. The end. And I went and got my apple. Well, all this was kind of internal. And I didn't, I didn't really tell Brian, you know, what my logic was and my thinking was. And he's like, I thought you didn't need to eat those. I said, no, yesterday I didn't need to eat them, but I'm healed today. So I'm going to eat these things. And I can eat some apples, y'all, and some taters and some carrots, and no problem. Because the healing that was in there yesterday is the healing in me today. And God doesn't change. He wants to bless you with these gifts. And we've talked about speaking in tongues. It is such a powerful weapon. There are times when God will just bring you up to me. He'll He'll tell me, pray for Sharon, and I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on with Sharon. I haven't seen Sharon in three days. Pray for Sharon. Yes, sir. And I'll just start praying in tongue. Praying in his Holy Spirit. Because when we're praying in the Spirit, it is the Spirit praying through us. We don't get any of our manly logic or biases in there. It is purely speaking out his will for her life. And it's a beautiful thing because completely untarnished by our flesh by our thoughts, by the, well, I know Sharon needs X, Y, Z, so this must be what it is. So I'm going to pray for X, Y, Z. But God knows it's A, B, C. It's not even X, Y, Z. We're totally at the other end of the spectrum. That's the beautiful thing about praying in the Spirit because it is praying out God's perfect will. And then in 1 Corinthians 14:26, it says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing. It will not be Nicole. Another will teach. (laughs) That would be a miracle if Nicole starts singing. Another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongue. Another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. And the question is, when the people of God meet together in the church, there was a freedom to express their gifts. Name five things that happened when they met. So there was singing, teaching, revelation, tongues, and interpretation. And the majority of the time, when there are these five different gifts, there are five different people. And if somebody isn't in their place, then we're missing something. You know, each of y'all that have been placed here are placed here because we need you. Brian and I may have the gift of pastoring, the call to pastor, but I assure you, you do not want to hear Brian and I lead worship. You know, Jeff can pray down the house. He can pray like it's nobody's business. And we all need each other. So it's, you know, there's five different gifts and the majority of the time, not always, but a lot of the time you will see they are flowing in five different people. Acts six one says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, they were there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek speaking believers complained about the Hebrew speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. You know, it's I, I read that, this isn't even a question. But I'm like <laughs> We act like today is so different. You know, there's this big you know, race war or the South is better than the North. And they're not. We do a lot of things better, but <laughs> we're not. <laughs> but it's <laughs> just, you. they do some things better too. <laughs> but eventually, I'll think of what it is. They snubble show. Sho. They stop. <laughs> They do that to snow a lot better than what I do. But, you know, I can I can cook some pretty mean cornbread and greens and pinto beans. Just saying. But, but you know, I'm reading this and it's like Satan doesn't change either. He finds those few things that typically work. And he's been doing them since the beginning of time. Oh, these are Greek, these are Hebrew. We're going to whisper to the Hebrews, you're not as good as the Greeks, but we're going to whisper to the Greeks, you're not as good as the Hebrews because here's the difference, or here's the big thing that we need to realize. The Greeks have something that the Hebrews need and the Hebrews have something that the Greeks need. The attacks that we're under today are no different. It's all lies and deception. It's the same as, you know, from the early church. So the question was, completely off on of my rabbit trail, the early New Testament church shared daily food with, with the widows. With everybody that needed them. Because that's what they were supposed to do. They shared with those in need. We saw that from an earlier scripture. And that's what we're to do. It doesn't matter if it's black, white, red, yellow, Greek, Hebrew, you know, Yankees or rebels. Whatever. We're all a part of the body of Christ. And we all need each other. And when one of us is in need, the others should help to serve. Because every one of us has gifts. James one twenty seven says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The only kind of religion that God cares about is the religion that what. The pure and genuine religion. The religion that is focused on God. In this teaching, it said, we come for this, 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 this. But it summarized it up and it said, to look at God. To focus on God. Because when we have our focus on, here's the light, when we have our focus on the light, something that is so pure, so untainted, there is no shadow. There is nothing but holiness, when we are focused on that and it's pure and genuine, there's no room for the dark. There's no room for the deception and the lies. That's the only religion that God cares about. And, and in all honesty, that's the only true religion. It's, it's like anything else that Satan does. Everything else is fake. It's not even a religion. It's lies and deceptions. 1 Timothy 5, 9 through 11 Says a widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who was at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who were in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widows should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. And the question is, widows who were supported by the early New Testament church had to meet what, what criteria? They had to be a certain, past a certain age and faithful. They had to sow what they're going to be reaping. They had to sow that devotion to Christ. That wanting to help others and sowing into others. And in First Corinthians 9 14, in the same way, the Lord ordered those who preach, Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Besides the church supporting widows, orphans, and the poor, it also supported Ministers. Ministers are daily, whether you see them or not, daily serving, daily pouring out into others. You know, the stipulation for the widow was that she had given, that she had poured out in others, that she had, she had done her, her service to those, and now she's reaping what she has sown. And I'm telling you, not just because I'm married, but y'all to a pastor, but y'all are ministers as well. This isn't just to pastors, but those who are ministering in that pure and genuine religion, these are people who it's not an option for them. These are people who when they see a need, they fill it. When they see someone hurting, they look to help. They sow. They pour out. It doesn't matter. If it's you know dinner time, well you know my phone's ringing or I just got a text, and oh, that's an ouch. They are really going to need help. As soon as I finish these pintos and cornbread, I'll call them right back. That's not how it goes. Ministers are daily, around the clock, pouring out to those in need. I can't tell you how many dinners, how many vacations, how many family nights we have had interrupted by someone in need. And the great thing is. We enjoy doing it because it's what God has put in our heart. And this is who you are as well. We are all called to minister the gospel and the good news. And the thing is, when you realize that that's your true calling, there's nothing else that satisfies. Because I'm telling y'all, being married to a pastor is a full-time job in itself. Having three kids is a full-time job in itself. Having a full time job is a full time job in itself. So there are many nights when I walk in here Wednesday, I'll walk through that door, and it's just like, "Dragon, how you doing? I'm here," and I've given that I've given that uh, response before. I'm here, but then you'll see when I'm up here, it's just like somebody has flipped a switch, you know. And I've had people go, you know, ask me. So we're, you know, are you just putting on up here? Is this an act or, you know, what's up? Because five minutes ago, you were just like drained. But when you step in your place, it is like the biggest adrenaline rush you will ever have. It's just, this is who I am. This is what I enjoy doing. And the fact is, when you are pouring out the love of God, as you are pouring it out, God is filling you up with it. He is constantly pouring into you. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because you are truly walking in who you were called to be. And so when you are doing that, when we see people who are doing that, we need to minister to them. We need to love on them. And then Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says, For I was hungry and you fed me I was thirsty and you gave me a drink I was a stranger and you invited me into your home I was naked and you gave me clothing I was sick and you cared for me I was in prison and you visited me then the righteous ones will reply Lord when did we ever see you hungry and fed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And the question is, why do people think giving money in an offering plate is the only way to give to God? And this isn't up on the wall. You're going to have to... Hopefully you've had more caffeine than I've had. You're not all in. <laughs> exactly. Several people said, because you're not all in. And it's, it's like what I was saying a minute ago. You were called to be a minister, where you, whether you were an apostle. Pa- I cannot talk today. Whether you were a pastor, pastor an apostle, a prophet, a teacher. Y'all are laughing at me. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your title is. You are a minister. And when you are all in, you are all in. It's not, well, you know, I put in my $5 in the offering plate on Sunday. I know Joe Bob here needs something to eat, but he's going to have to go to you know, Boomerang Church because I put in my offering there. It's a, well, I just got a three-piece chicken meal from KFC. He needs some food. How about we sit down with him and share? Or how about we go buy him his own meal? Or we see somebody that's cold. How about you just give them their jacket? Chances are you have two or three. Or how about this? What if you don't have another one? How about you be all in enough that you say, God's going to supply my needs, but he's put it on my heart to give to him. Now that doesn't mean that every single time you see someone holding up a sign, hungry, that you, that you hand them everything you have. You don't. You give as you were led. It's it's exactly like we teach tithes and offerings here. You give only as you were led. But if the Spirit of God leads you to give, don't restrict yourself to the offering plate. You give as you've been led to because as He's leading you to give and you walk in that abundance, you're giving to Him because we are a part of this body. So I can tell you, you know, as, as... My back has been hurting. When I get relief to my back, my feet feel so much better. Because when part of the body hurts, the whole body is suffering in some way, shape, or form. So as you are giving to those in need, they are a part of the body of Christ. You are ministering to Jesus Himself. And when you realize that, when you realize Seth is a part of my body, And not only that, Seth is a part of the body of my king, my savior. I want to love on him. I want to bless him. Because I want to bless my king. I don't care what it cost me. He gave everything for me. I'm not even going to consider the cost. God says do it. Done. Exactly. It is his anyways, And Seth is his. And if Seth is his, then by default, I love Seth because I love my king. That's being all in. That's not limiting yourself to an offering plate. That's given to the body. Acts, I'm sorry, no.
1: I've just been sitting here this whole time, and that's how the church works. And I think that that's such an important connection to make sure that we make, because when you're all in enough to be like, here, Seth doesn't have a coat, I'm going to give him my coat, Mm -hmm. what's he going to do? he's going to go tell somebody. Yeah. That's why the old Te- or not the old testament, but that's why the early church worked the way it did and why they had so many house churches and why there were so many people meeting together all the time that they couldn't contain it in just yeah. one building because it was such a reality for them that they had to connect, that they had to get together, that they had to meet because there was an excitement there. They weren't dragging themselves into church. They weren't making themselves come even though, well, it's been a long week and I get what you're saying and I've been there too, but it's knowing that you're all in enough that even if it feels like an a completely crapshoot of a week, that you're going to be in church anyway. And you're going to love on people anyway because that's God, and God is moving in that. And so though you're praying and though you're giving, that's you're not just praying and giving, you're being the church. Yep. And that's where the meetings are coming in, and that's where getting together is coming in because it's not an option for you. Because you give so that evangelism can work. That's how evangelism works. And I I just thought it was such an important connection to make between, well, there here's evangelism and here's praying and here's giving, but they're all cyclical. That's how the church is spread and that's how it's tied together and that's how it moves out. Yeah. So,
0: Well, and the fact of the matter is, if the church was being all that it was called to be, we wouldn't be relying on our government the way we were. Our government wouldn't have us by the bootstraps the way that they do because the church would be in its rightful place. It is the church that is called to have dominion. It is the church that is called to give to those in need. So why do we have people lined out the doors to get their food stamps and to get their Medicaid? Because the church isn't being what they're supposed to be. And because people can't rely on the church... They don't come flocking to the church. People came flocking. The Lord was adding to the church daily because as Seth got his coat, he's like, I've got to go see what this is all about. I've got to go tell others about what these people did for me. And they were representing some guy named Jesus. I've got to learn who this guy is. So as we're walking in what we're called to be, this is why the Lord is able to add daily to the church. Because we are being his hands and feet. We are being his love in action. This is why we need to get this. Because it's not about us. This whole class was talking about why we get together for others. We are the ones keeping the church from growing. Because we are the ones holding up the mirror, looking, oh, what do I need? What do I want? Which part of the scripture do I want to believe today? That sounds good. Ooh, I don't like that one. That one could stretch. Mm -mm. Instead of looking down and go, what does God need me to do today? What is God going to do in me today so that I can be a blessing to Paige? What is God going to fill me with today? What is he going to speak through me today so that I can give Peggy the word she needs to get through Whatever. This is what the church is all about. Acts 4.32-35 uh, All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that, they, that what they owned was not their own so they shared everything they had. All in. The apostles testified powerfully to the resur- resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's ble- great blessing was upon them all there were no needy people among them. Fancy that. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. And I'm supposed to go ahead and read Proverbs 3, but I'm going to ask you a question real quick. Go back, baby, if you will, two verses. 2, 34, I believe it was. Acts 4:34. Look, y'all. It says, there were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them. So what, what most of the world would see is go, Pff, that is my land, that is my house. I worked for that. That was my great-granddaddy's land. If I give it, where am I going to live? But if you notice the beginning of that, go back to 34 for me, please. The beginning of that says, there were no needy, Did you catch that? That means the ones who gave also received. It means they had land and houses to keep giving. It means they had food and shelter to cover them. It means they weren't doing without because they gave, they also received. And in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, thank you for letting me jump around. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. And the question is, the early church elders and pastors did what with their finances? They honored God by blessing his people. There were no needy because they were honoring God with what they had by sowing into his body. This The church is a beautiful thing when we let it be what it's called to be. You know, we have so many questions. God, why is it so hard? God, where is my easy button? It's right here. You're sitting amongst it. You are a part of it. Do you get that? You are a part of the answer. This building, these four walls aren't the answer. But you'll find when people come to us with questions and problems and everything, Brian and I will always point them first to say, look, you need to get in church. Stop making excuses. You know, my back hurts. I'm just going to stay home and ice it. I've got the sniffles. I'm just going to stay home. It was a really rough week. I just need to rest. Your answer is not in that bed. Your answer is here with the people who have the power and the authority to pray over you to produce the healing in you. Your answer is in JD when he has the word for you. Your answer is in someone being moved to write a check to you even though they barely know you. We had that happen two weeks ago. Somebody came up to me and said, Look, I don't know them very well, but I know that they've got a need And I just, I really feel like I'm supposed to be the one to give it. Well, what happens if this person isn't in church? Because, well, I'm struggling to make ends meet. I barely have enough gas to get to work, so I'm just going to stay home. I'm not going to do church today. I'll just watch via live stream. What happens if they didn't show up? The check that has their name on it that has exactly what they need for the month sits there and sits there. And sits there. And all the while, they're at home on their knees. Lord, why am I struggling? Why don't I have what I need? I love you. Why haven't you provided for me? And the whole time he is saying, don't forget the assembling together. Because I've given them gifts that you need. Because I'm pouring my love through them. No, these four walls are not the answer. But the people you are sitting around, they're part of the answer. This is what the church is. It's not 328 South 1st Street. It's not Nicole's den. It's not anything, anywhere. It is you. This is what the church is. And when we realize that's what we are, the people will start Flocking again. Because we will be walking in the gifts that we've been given. We will be operating in the blessings that we've been given. Realizing that the blessings are poured in as a conduit. And as we let those blessings pour in and through, they keep going. They keep flowing. They keep feeling. They're not sitting there getting rank and stink and moldy because they're just sitting. But they are ever-present, ever-new, ever-fresh, ever-providing for both us and those that we touch. This is what the church is. So, Lord, we thank you today. We thank you for your answers. We thank you for your wisdom and your love. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be part of your answers, that we get to be part of your body, and that we get to be a conduit for your love and your blessings. And, Lord, just... Give us the wisdom that we need daily to walk in all that you have called us to walk in, to be that church that you have called us to be. Lord, I thank you that daily we have the opportunity to minister to others, and daily we have the wisdom to see those opportunities and the faith and the obedience and the love to do what you have called us to do. We pray for everyone that is both here on live stream and those that don't even know yet what you have for them. We thank you that you are working in them, opening their spirit to hear and receive from you, Lord. And thank you for the words and the love that you fill us with so that we can minister to those and that you will continue daily adding to the church through us, through the love and the words and the blessings that you pour out through us. And we praise you for it. And we thank you that this day, this day, we will be a blessing to everyone in this building. We will be a blessing to everyone watching via live stream. And as we leave here, be it a restaurant or a grocery store or a gas station or home, we will be a blessing to everyone we encounter because we are you. We are your love and action. And we esteem it and honor it. We realize who we are. We are a part of you. And we will walk in that and nothing less. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I am 98% of my pastor. We've got five minutes.